You are listening to The Wildlife. I'm Devin Boker, your host, and today is another Behind the Sciences segment, this time with Dr. Cassandra Ford. Congratulations, by the way. She successfully defended her dissertation this past summer, summer of 2021, on mosaic evolution of craniofacial morphologies and after noted and, and murmured electric fishes. Now she's on to new adventures. She'll be completing a short-term postdoctoral position with Dr. Ole Seehausen at the University of Bern from 21 to 2022, prior to starting an NSF postdoctoral fellowship in biology at George Washington University with Dr. L. Patricia Hernandez. Full disclosure, she is one of my favorite psychomers, does an absolute excellent job of communicating science and social issues and uh, really just making things accessible and relatable. Her past educational credits include the TAMU Corpus Christi campus as well as the University of Louisiana Lafayette and has research interests in weekly electric fish, macroevolution, functional morphology, feeding biomechanics, and convergent evolution. I am beyond excited for you to be able to listen to the full episode, which of course is going to be all about electric fishes, which fun fact, if you are talking about more than one species of fish, it is indeed fishes. But we're not quite ready for that yet. As always, we like for you to have the opportunity to get to know the guest before listening to the full length episode. It just, it adds a layer of relatability to the whole thing. When you hear the full episode, we want you to feel like you are a part of the conversation, like you're friends with the people you're listening to. So sit back, relax, and let's get to know Dr. Cassandra Ford. Well, have you always been interested in science? Yes. Um, so I grew up camping. Um, mm-hmm. Camping was kind of the fun activity that my mom and I did growing up. Um, in the outdoors. And so I've always been interested in nature and everything like that, but definitely growing up in like middle school and into high school, science was kind of my jam. <laughs> it was yeah. like the subject that I was the best at. I loved it. Biology was my little, my, that was my subject. It was what I loved to go to class and learn about. Um, yeah. The rest of it, like uh, physics, not so much <laughs> that part of science. Was a little over my head, but like biology was definitely my favorite. It, it's always been what I thought that I wanted to do. How about how about chemistry? Because that was the one for me that always I was just kind of like, nope, <laughs> we're not getting was along. Hard for yeah. me. It uh, it's so abstract because it's so tiny. Yeah. That, I mean, I had to take chemistry and everything, and I I got through it, but chemistry was a struggle. Biology was always like. Biology, I knew I, that's where I wanted to go, but I had to get through the chemistry to get to the I know, biology. right? Yeah. And then, so it's funny that you brought that up too, because I, I also am a high school science teacher. Um, nice. And so I teach bio, but I also teach physics. And it's okay. funny because I, I didn't initially have any intention of doing so. And then, you know, for some reason, like the way that I feel the general public see science is like, oh, it's all the same. And so when when I was getting the position, they're like, well, I mean, you can teach physics too, right? I'm like, I mean, it's not mm. biology, but they're like, well, science. And I'm like, ah, yeah, I mean, science, sure, whatever. <laughs> um, but it's actually really fun, not going to lie. <laughs> Lots of fun labs and stuff. Yeah, no, I, I appreciated physics. It was, I just, most of my physics memories are the calculus-based physics yeah. that I had to take in college. 
Nah. And I, I did calc in high school and I was good at it then, but I had lost so much of the knowledge by the mm. time I was a junior in college that deriving all of the physics equations was yeah. definitely a struggle for me. <laughs> but the actual like topics that we were learning about, I was like, this is so cool. Like we know the like in general the rules of why things happen the way that they do. This is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's my the, my favorite part is just figuring out all those little keys. How about in, in terms of just like nature as it, as itself, when was your first real connection to nature that you can remember? Oh, God. I, I can't even think of just one. I just remember always wanting to be outside. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I was lucky enough to have like a swing set growing up. And so most of the time, my mom was that parent that didn't want me, you know, sitting in the house watching TV all the time. Yeah. So she would just kick me out and just be like, go sit in the backyard, like do whatever <laughs> you want to do, but you're not back in the house for the next four hours or something like that. And I would just like dig around in the dirt, play on the swings, like that kind of thing. Um, and so being outside and I was always surrounded by trees. We had trees all around the outline of our property. Mm-hmm was just my happy place. It was where I went to have fun. It was where I went to like explore. Being an only child, I didn't really have siblings to, you know, run around and play with. So it was just me kind of figuring out nature by myself in the backyard. See, so. there's something, I don't know. I, 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 I think that's fun. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I, I try to make my, my own kids do that. And it's funny. Cause like my, my son who's four, he is terrified of bugs. Yet he also like, if anyone threatens a bug, he stands up for them in a way. He's like, "Well, they're nice though. Bees don't sting. They're nice." I'm like, "Well, they. I mean, they can sting, but he gets uh, but he's horribly afraid of them. So I try to make him just explore and play with the dirt. Not gonna lie, that is definitely my relationship with spiders. Oh, I know. Um, I don't particularly like them in terms of like I'm not gonna handle them, but. My roommate will always like find a spider or something and be like, oh my gosh, I had to get rid of it. And I'm like, okay, Cassie, you can save the spider, like grab a cup, put the cup over the spider and take these pants. I'm like, I'm going to save the spider. I'm saving your life. I'm not going to kill you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't really, yeah, I'm same way with spiders. Yeah. You know, and I, I made, I, I'm going to say it's a mistake now. So we have a shout out back where we keep our mower and, and things like that. And, um, Earlier this spring, I noticed a fairly sizable spider had built a web up in there. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I saw it and I was like, you know, you're out in the shed. I'm, I'm not going to kill you or anything. You, you're just doing your spider thing. It's fine. Hang out. Do what you want. Came back, like, I don't know, a couple weeks later, and there were dozens of them in a yep. really sizable web. And now yeah. I barely go in there <laughs> unless I have to because I'm just like, yep, it's yours now. It's fine. <laughs> Congratulations, you now own a shed. <laughs> uh, uh, so, so science communication, you, you are, are what I would definitely call a psychomer. I don't know if you call yourself a psychomer or not. Um, but in terms of the way that you interact and the, and the way that communicate and the way that you talk about things, uh, you just have, you have a certain knack for it. How would you define your approach to science communication? Wow. Um, I just try to be very honest, Mm -hmm. um, you know, very genuine about it. If I see something that I think is like 
I always say this phrase, but the coolest thing since sliced bread, then I want to share it with the world. I'm like, y'all need to see this. Like, this is so cool. Have you ever seen a fish that looks like this? Mm -hmm. Have you ever seen a bird do this before? Mm -hmm. And so if I get genuinely excited about something, I really just want to share it with the world. But I also try to keep in mind that there are a lot of people who aren't as familiar with the intricacies of science as I am. Um, I'm really one of the only people in my family that focuses or studies science specifically. Mm -hmm. And so I'll be, you know, talking to my mom about some part of my research and she'll be like, wait, what are you talking about? And so then I am like constantly reminded to go back, like take a couple of steps back and make sure that although a lot of the people who follow me might be scientists, there are also people who are not. And I need to make sure that what I'm talking about is accessible to all of them. Mm -hmm. And so trying to be genuine, but also accessible is probably like my approach. Um, try to have fun with it, but also make sure that I've been doing it a little bit more, but um, trying to make a difference as well. Um, and like calling out behaviors that might not be the best for everyone in the world. Mm -hmm. um, and so trying to make a difference that way as well. Yeah, you know, that's that's actually one of the things I really appreciate about the stuff that you that you do and say is you you're you are very honest about what problems are really there within within science and uh, within mm -hmm. professions, within society. And, and you're honest about what those are and what they look like. And you don't really hesitate to say what it is, name it and call it out. And yeah. um, I think that's something that is important, you know, for, for people to see. Yeah. Because I feel like a lot of people just want to pretend everything's rosy. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's, it's not. not. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. I mean, that's, and then just very thoughtful, I think. I yeah. mean, you, uh, you know, this is like a little one, but like I noticed that you are frequently like take the time to do like the alt text and things like that, which yeah, not a lot of yeah. people do. And so the yeah. fact that you are really taking into consideration that accessibility and um, I think it's great. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I think it was probably a year ago, somebody called that to my attention um, to try to make sure that that was something that I tried to remember to do. And I, I'm definitely not perfect at doing it, but it's something that I am very conscious of now, now that it's been brought to my attention. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's kind of what we need in society is if something is brought to your attention that you might be doing inadvertently and you're not trying to exclude people or anything mm -hmm. but if somebody calls you out on it just take a little step back and be like oh didn't realize that okay learn from it move on let's do it in a positive way yeah yeah it's like it's it's kind of like uh i really hate when people act like when people say things like oh you can't joke anymore it's you know, everyone gets offended by everything. And it's like, no, people are just asking you to be more considerate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, a hundred percent. Like, come on. Um, no, yeah, that's, that's, uh, and we have the technology to do that. Like yeah, it's amazing when Twitter was first invented, I'm sure there wasn't alt text available, but mm -hmm. now there is. So mm -hmm. let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Um, if you could give advice to, to a younger you, any age doesn't really matter. Not even necessarily you, but maybe just, you know, another person. Um, yeah. what, what would that advice be? You know, knowing what you do about the field, knowing what you do in terms of 
the rigor, the science, the societal connections, you know, what, what would that advice be? Oh, there are so many things that I wish that I could tell, <laughs> even <laughs> just like my freshman undergrad self. Um, for me personally, I wish that I had realized I could go into scientific research mm-hmm. earlier. Um, I mean, I was involved with research and I don't really know like how I didn't quite get it, but I didn't realize that I could find something that I really, really enjoyed. Like I really, really like fish Yeah. and I could just work with fish for my career. That can be <laughs> my career. I can study whatever I want about them Yeah. and that can be my job. Um, kind of going into college and being good at biology, I thought that I had pretty much two career options and it was either be a doctor or a vet. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to be a doctor. I knew that. Um, and so I was like, well, I guess I have to go the vet route. I love animals, <laughs> right? This is totally what I need to do. But it wasn't. And it took me several years to figure out what I could actually do with my passion and what I like to do. Um, and so I'd also, I guess, kind of like to share that with all of the kids that are coming up, um, whether they're in whatever grade they're in or starting college or in mm-hmm. the middle of college. If there's some class that you took and you just really, really like it, it could be in the humanities, it could be in science, it could be in anything. You can make that a career. You can Mm -hmm. find a way to do it. You might go to grad school, you might not, but don't just go to a career just because you think it's the right thing you're supposed to do. Make sure that you truly love it and that it's something that you're genuinely interested in. Yeah. You know, you you brought up something that it's it's so consistently brought up in in interviews and conversations that we have that I almost feel like we should create a spinoff show that's called Vets are cool and all, but you don't have to be a vet uh, because almost everyone. <laughs> so you wanted we talk to, to be a vet. Yeah, yeah <laughs> Where exactly. Are you now, <laughs> it's so like everyone we talk to, like yeah, you know, I, I love animals and and science, so I thought yeah, I should be a vet, and then mm-hmm. I started that, and then realized that wasn't for me, and then moved on to something else. It, it's so consistent uh, of a story that it kind of blows my mind (laughs) it's it says something about the way that um, science is understood and Mm -hmm. communicated is that you know there there is such a a plethora and diversity of career options and things that you could do and study but that the general public has a tendency to think oh vet (laughs) Mm -hmm. or something else and and don't quite realize just the limitless potential that there really is. Yeah. So. It's like you say you want to do science and it's like, okay, do you want to work with animals or people? <laughs> yep. Yep. Like I, you, you don't have to choose either of those. You could yeah. work with viruses. You could work yeah. with bacteria. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. those aren't animals or people. <laughs> you don't have to have a lab coat and a bunch of beakers full of colorful liquid that do yeah. nothing. <laughs> I don't have any of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What, what was your, um, so more in terms of like the general topic today, you know, one of the reasons that we wanted to, re- wanted to reach out was electric fish. And it's been something that has absolutely boggled me for a very long time. And I do remember very briefly in um, an ichthyology course that I took, and I took it online through OSU when I was doing an internship in Texas, taking a break from my main thing. It was, it was a whole... Yeah, it was a whole thing, but I remember very briefly talking about it, and then I forgot everything. Just remembered, oh wow, that's cool! Like 
buzzy. And then, um, yeah, like I said, <laughs> my co-host and I, who's my brother, we've been talking about them quite a bit lately. And then I, I did see one at an aquarium where they had like a voltrometer. I don't know if that's what it's called, but like hooked up to the thing. And yeah. They're showing the measurements. And I was like, okay, that is just amazing. Um, so to stop rambling, I guess my, my first question on that line of questioning is, uh, what was your first time like working with electric fish? So my study of electric fish is pretty different than like what happens in maybe an aquarium. Sure. Um, the first time I ever actually held an electric fish was when I was working as a lab tech in 2015 at Texas A&M in Corpus Christi. Um, the fish was dead. <laughs> it wasn't alive. Um, there are actually over 500 species of electric fish out there. Um, there are two major groups of electric mm -hmm. fish. Uh, one is found in South America and the other is found in Africa. And the first electric fish that I held was an electric fish from Africa. Uh, okay. The professor that I was working for had traveled there and collected them. And so in collecting them, you go fishing, not like hook and reel fishing, but with large nets because you're trying to catch a lot of fish. You're trying to catch a diversity. Yeah. And so he was actually looking for other fish at the time, but caught some electric fish at the same time. And so he brought them back with him, preserved them and kept them in jars in his lab. And so that was my first time ever like handling an electric fish. I didn't actually hold a live electric fish until I got to my current position here at the University of Louisiana at Lafayette. Mm -hmm. uh, my current advisor focuses on electric fish, but the other group of electric fish from South America. Um, and so he's had electric fish in his lab. Not a lot. We're not like um, a live fish lab, so we don't have a ton of live fish sure. in our aquarium. We do have a few, um, and we do have a couple of electric fish right now. And so that was my first time ever holding a live one. But um, yeah, they're not at all what I think a lot of people expect, and I'm pretty excited to talk about them. <laughs> um, so there's something uh, that we have been doing, and then I'll have one other question after after this. There's something <laughs> that we've been doing on recent episodes. Um, have you ever listened to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me on the radio? I've heard of it, but I have not. <laughs> okay. So it's a variation of a game that they play on there. And so we've been playing this game with our guest. It's okay. a trivia game where we ask three questions that are borderline related and, and mostly unrelated to the overall topic. And if you can manage to get two out of three of them right, then we send a gift to one of our member supporters at random. So Great. something like a special no sticker pressure. or whatever. And so they're... they're um, so we wonder if you'd be willing to play today. Yes. I can't Perfect. guarantee that I'm not about to embarrass myself. But <laughs> let's do it. All right. So you've been talking to us about electric fish, which you know a lot of and a lot about. And so what we want to know is how much you know about the electric slide. <laughs> so first question, which of these is an actual variance of the electric slide? A, the cowboy boogie. B, the Vera dance, see wordplay there, or C, 
the eel slip and slide. I'm gonna go with the eel slip and slide. Oh no, no, not not quite, not quite. Let me let's let's let's, let's I'll give I'll give you a hint here. Boogie woogie woogie. The second one then. So cow so cowboy boogie, you think it's cowboy boogie? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Sure. <laughs> you got it right. All right. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Second question: Who created the electric slide? Uh, a. Richard Silver. B. Thomas Edison. Or C. Barry Allen. The Flash. Okay. So the first one. Definitely the first one. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, from 1989 to 1999. Line Dancer Magazine, which, yes, is a thing that I found out about today, listed the electric slide as what? A, the hokiest dance of all time. B, the best wedding dance of all time that you never want to participate in. Or C, the number one dance in the world for 10 years straight. Um, the last one? It is the last one, yes. Yes. Okay. So even 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 without the initial uh, first question and hint, you still got two out of three. So so perfect. Um, which that blows me away. Number one, that there's Line Dancer magazine, and that number two, it was number one dance in the world for ten years straight. Okay, but that's, that's according impressive. to them, and I think they have a little bias. But oh yeah, definitely. I'm gonna give it definitely. To them. That's fine. I mean, it is Line Dancer magazine, so they only have a selection of specific line dances. Um, yes. so, I mean, this, yeah. I, I don't know of that many, They're, your options are probably quite limited. Like, Hey, look, this is the one dance that makes our magazine positive or, uh, popular. Let's give it the reward <laughs> every year. <laughs> um, okay. So very last, the last question that I, I wanted to, uh, to ask today is, um, we're also trying to do more in terms of highlighting other organizations that do some really good work. And I know I didn't include this on the episode note, so if you don't have them right now, if um, that's fine. But we wonder, are there any organizations that, that you would recommend for listeners to check out and support? A couple. Um, so in terms of just science communication in general, I have to plug Skype a Scientist. Um, mm -hmm. It's an awesome program to connect K through 12 classrooms with scientists from around the world. Um, they can ask the scientists questions, they can talk about specific things or just general science. Um, mm -hmm. And it's a great nonprofit that is working to bring real science into the classroom um, every single day. And then in terms of improving diversity uh, across, I guess, kind of underrepresented communities and communities that need some of that support to get kids outdoors. Um, there's a nonprofit called Backyard Base Camp in Baltimore that is doing some awesome work with community engagement and trying to get um, the Black community more involved with nature um, and doing some cool outdoors work. So, Yeah, they do, they do a lot of really cool stuff. I, I've been kind of watching watching their stuff on Instagram for quite a mm -hmm. while and they've just got some really really cool programs it's it's good to see stuff like that happening yeah and i think they sure. sadly recently just got hit with a pretty bad storm that caused some damage and so they're 
working on some repairs and stuff. So mm. I think they could use all the support they can get. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. So a couple more things. One of the things that we have been asking quite a bit lately is, uh, cause we started a book club and, and, uh, so we've been asking guests if they have any book recommendations that we could post in our book club that, that listeners might like to uh, check out if they want to learn more about the topic at hand or really anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you have? Um, well, when it comes to a book club, um, mm-hmm. I have one good option for a book club and then I have one that you probably wouldn't want to read for a book club, but could be a really cool, just, okay. It's a field guide. So um, my advisor and a lot of my lab mates worked with um, a bunch of researchers from around the world and especially from South America and developed a field guide to the fishes of the Amazon and surrounding tributaries. Mm -hmm. And it's got amazing pictures, drawings, descriptions, everything just, some really cool information about uh, the diversity of fish that you can find in South America. Um, And so I definitely recommend taking a look at that. If any Mm -hmm. of the fish that I talked about today sounded kind of cool to you and you just want to know some more information about it. Yeah. yeah, That's the field guide to the fishes of the Amazon, Orinoco and Guyanas. The official name of that, but it's just a really cool book. Um, and some really, really cool pictures. Uh, the other thing that I would have to put a plug in for um, has to do with diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a black female ichthyologist, which is a rare find. Mm-hmm. And so I would love for more black women to get involved in science and research and especially working with fish. But for my non POC counterparts, I would love for you guys to read books like White Fragility Mm -hmm. um, to kind of figure out how we can talk about some of the systematic issues within science and within the fields that I'm in um, and kind of what we can do to move forward and make sure that this is a field that's accessible for everyone. Well, thank you so much um, for sitting down and talking with me today. Okay, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. You can uh, check out more in the episode notes for some other links, uh, as well as how to support us at patreon.com slash the wildlife. And stay tuned for later this week uh, when the full episode on electric fishes drops.